Hello and welcome back again to another episode of First Thought of the Day. I'm sitting here in Valley Studio One with the immortal Christopher Seacrest on controls and my co-host as always, Mr. Aaron Ingbrecht. How are you doing today, sir? Doing all right. How are you? Not too shabby. And we are blessed beyond blessed to have our first our absolute first out of the building guest today. The only person who can rival Mallory Eaton for the comments, principal of Akron Elementary, Mr. Scott Sturk. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing well. Thanks for having me today. So what's what's got you most excited about being on here? Like on a scale of one to 10, how nervous are you right now? Um... Not at all. Yeah, he's nice. guys. He's that, that wasn't a one to ten. Those but. of you, those of you, <laughs> those of you not watching this live broadcast, he's sweating. He is very nervous. He said, "No, he's doing Be- very well." Beads of sweat dripping down. It is unbelievable. It is like watching Patrick Ewing play basketball. <laughs> That's how sweaty what, he is. Traveling right now. every time. That's the one. Um, by the way, about Patrick Ewing, did you guys know? Are you familiar with this phrase, the Ewing effect? I don't know. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay. It's unbelievable. It's the, the Ewing effect is basically, which by the way, we are already down a rabbit hole. We barely introduced ourselves. Um, That should be the name of the podcast. Down the rabbit hole. hole. Yeah. It's probably not a bad call. That'll be our spinoff program. Um, All about zoology. Anyways, back to Ewing. Yes, sir. Um, So they noticed that. So Patrick Ewing, for those of you that don't know, Hall of Famer, basketball player, like unbelievable, like player at Georgetown. He played for the Knicks for, I don't know, 15 years, maybe. I mean, like he was the face of the franchise. uh, He might have played with Seattle for five minutes or something at the end of his career. (laughs) I am not his biographer like you are, apparently. But but it is interesting because he... uh, they they started running like looking at how he did, how the team did. They they performed better when he was out of the lineup. Interesting. He was injured fairly often, hmm. often yeah. enough to to be noticeable. I think that's fascinating. That is really interesting. And the idea then, of course, this, this feels like kind of a freakonomics moment if you've ever read that sure. book. But he comes out and it's like, where? Why is this happening? Yeah, you know. Like, is it just like people have to step up and Mm -hmm. take over more? What do you guys think? I mean, there's a part of me that wonders if the other team spent so much energy, effort, and preparation just for that individual. And there's a part of me that wonders, I mean, he's the most famous basketball player to wear knee pads, right? There we go, yeah. That's a great call. Yeah, Yeah, and and I would would almost argue, though, that if it's so – like if he's so good and they they schemed so much, shouldn't it be just like way easier now without him in the lineup? I don't know, but I don't know. Anyway, we've uh, we've gotten off track already. Yeah, there, there's a few thoughts that come to mind. Maybe we'll revisit that in a later Rock and podcast. Roll. I can't wait. So speaking of former podcasts, let's uh, let's read a few uh, comments that we have here. We've got one. Um, let's see here. We've got one from Mr. Scott Sturk. All right. And his says, jokes on you, Mallory Eaton. My kids turned on me long ago. Typical parent teenager strife, but if it helps you to feel better about things, so be it. Any comments about your comment? I I think it speaks for itself. I think it does too. Here's another one from Scott Sturk again that said, how did Star Wars not make the list? And I'd like to have Mr. Seacrest chime in on this one. We've got a new microphone here. Mr. Seacrest is an intense, hardcore Star Wars fan. Any thoughts? I think uh, 
demographic wise, Star Wars does not hit every single demographic, whereas some of the other movies have more of a broader demographic. Would you be like, what demographics does it not hit, though? I would think, I mean, you figure Star Wars, you know, comes out in the 70s, 77. I mean, ultimately, everyone tends to watch that movie just because how big it is. Sure. But then the later ones, you slowly start to see less and less. But isn't it always number one in the box office? Even like it is, doesn't it tend but to break its own record each time it comes out. It does. But what's it going up against? It depends on how it's marketed, mm, what, who it's going up against. But I, I've heard you say countless times, Jar Jar Binks is the best character in the history of cinema. Is that, is that do you still stand behind that statement? Uh, is that? No. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know if that's where you were or not. I, for one, am not a huge Star Wars fan. It doesn't really resonate with me. This, it's, it's not even like... Go ahead, Mr. Stirk, get him. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It, it's never been my thing. So I, I don't like think less of people for liking Star Wars. It's, it's not everybody's well, You need to be prepared yeah, for yeah. some people thinking less of you yeah. for not liking Star Wars. That's okay. I, I'm on that train. Yeah, he's uh, he's conductor, I think. <laughs> you know, everyone brings their own experience to the table. Sure. First movie I ever saw in a theater was Return of the Jedi. Oh, nice. And that was it. Like, I was hooked. And, yeah. you know, my family's never been the same since. It is an unbelievable series, and I, I agree. I, I think it's, it's one of those that changed the game. You know, it's it's one of those that it appeals to generation after generation. My son's 11 and it's definitely in the conversation of his favorite franchise. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loves those. Um, so, yeah, you're right. How did it not make the list? Mallory Eaton about a comment from from last week. What's up, Mal Dog? <laughs> I'm sure no one saw it coming. Coming, Comment queen here doing what I do best. My birthday song and, and our idea, our, our thought was our birthday song, what was number one when, when you were born? Sure. Um, mine was Jive Talking by the Bee Gees. What was yours again? Live in the Vida Loca. Oh, there we go. I don't remember mine. All right. I can't remember yours either. My son's is Party Rock Anthem. So how about that? Thanks. Um my birthday song of February 88 was Could Have Been by Tiffany. Oh. Are you familiar with that song? Vaguely. I am not. I, don't, I remember Tiffany I really it, well, but I've never heard of this song. It says, uh, honestly, I've never even heard of it. Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson was the number one overall that year, hmm. which I can definitely sing all the lyrics to. Stirk, what did the cavemen sing back when you were born? Question mark. <laughs> That's, that's not me. This is not Walker saying this, by the way. This is the immortal Maldog. So anyway, hurling some insults your way via the Internet, just so you know. It, it sounds like our friendly rivalry has really uh, struck a nerve with. Uh, it's ratcheting up a notch, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, Susan Walker says the hit song for my birthday was You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet by Bachman Turner Overdrive. My favorite one hit wonder was not mentioned. Mm. And here's what's interesting. Mr. Ingbrecht mentioned this about a minute and a half before the podcast started. What was it? Take on me. By oh, Aha. Yeah. There we go. Isn't that wild? Yeah, how that kind of goes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, keep those comments coming guys. Uh, we're reading these off of Podbean, but we're also fielding now some emails yeah. that we're getting from some folks. So I'm going to have Mr. Ingbrecht take over. Yeah, half we, fired of the up the, here. we fired up the email machine. We got one from, uh, Mary Lou Owens. She's our awesome, uh, attendance person here in the school tracks everything student wise she said this uh and it was in regards to we were talking about how we felt like there were maybe a lack of family tv shows 
uh, as opposed to when we grew up. And it really is interesting how all the, the hit shows these days are really heavy. Yes. It's just so interesting because like if I've, I've not seen Yellowstone, it looks incredible, but it also looks emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. It looks like something that I'm going to need to kind of buckle up for. Right. When I when I watched Breaking Bad, I had to buckle up to watch that. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't I don't maybe I just don't have the emotional capacity anymore. But sure. these look incredible. Yeah. So Mary Lou said this. She said, I was catching up on a couple podcasts this weekend, which, by the way, this is now Aaron talking Great decision. I can't think of a better way to catch up on anything over the weekend. All right, back back to Mary Lou's comment. Here are some family-friendly TV shows that we have watched. I agree there's not much out there, but then she gives a list. Heartland, which apparently is on Netflix and maybe... Um, is it pronounced Heartland or Heartland? Heartland. Heartland. Okay. There we I go. probably would have been on the Heartland train. There we go. But uh, so clearly you are not a I mega fan. I am not fan. watching it. All right. That's yeah. a good call. How about the Goldbergs? No, it's the Goldbergs. Uh, I actually have seen an episode or two of that. Yeah. I, I like that one. Um, Abbott Elementary. Not heard of that one. Uh, Last Man Standing. I've seen a lot of those episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then American Pickers. That's that's a fantastic show. If you've not watched American Pickers, this is I, I've seen a few episodes of Last Man Standing. The others I'm not so familiar with. Abbott just, Elementary is. I've just started that one. It's pretty good. Is it kind of like zany, or is it pretty? It's it's pretty hilarious. Straightforward. Okay, good deal. I'm not familiar with these particular. I have been on a kick lately. King of Queens. Oh yeah, yeah. solid yeah. show. Yeah. But Jerry Stiller takes that to a whole nother yes. level. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Mr. Ingbrecht and I enjoy Jerry Stiller for a different television program. Yes. He is George Costanza's dad. Yes. Frank Costanza. It is unbelievable. Immortal. Yeah. It's, he was it's because of Frank Costanza that I celebrate Festivus. That's right. I think we all do, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure we as a school, that's what we get off. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is it time now to do the lightning round? I think so. Is it time to enter the lightning round? Let's do it. So I'm going to start us off here today. Um, I've got Mr. Sterk, and I don't know if everyone knows this about you, but I, I think sitting here with your Chicago Bears pullover on, most people probably who know you beyond just a passing phase know that you're a Chicago Bears fan. So uh, first question in lightning round, name your top three favorite Chicago Bears of all time. Top three. That's a tough one. I'm going to go number three, Iron Mike, Singletary. Yeah. Number two, The Fridge. And number one, Charles Peanut Tillman. Oh, yeah. Peanut. Number 33? Correct. That was his number? Yeah. So a couple of 85 Bears and then somebody that's been, I guess, in the, what what Super Bowl was that? It would have been the 2006 one. All right. I'm getting a sidetrack. Right. It's lightning round. Yeah, lightning round. Right. Go. Favorite sandwich? Hot ham and cheese. Ooh. Favorite pizza topping? Meat. And uh, just for those of you that, that aren't at home, he is staring me down when he said <laughs> meat right there as if this were a, uh, a blood feud that we're about to have together. As if if I were to put any vegetables on his pizza, we'd have fisticuffs. Yes. Please continue. Favorite pop? Mountain Dew. Growing up, what was your favorite TV show? Dukes of Hazard. <clears throat> Great call. Mine nice. too. Favorite X Games sport? that's a stumper yes i have no clue i i honestly don't know if i've ever watched x games at all how about a hidden talent 
Um, I enjoy restoring antique tractors. Oh, nice. Oh, amazing. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you want to travel? The Netherlands. Like Amsterdam. Correct. Well done. Uh, last question. Um, you're not really new to the Valley family, but what is your favorite, um, what's your favorite aspect of Tippecanoe Valley School Corporation? Oh, that's easy. The people. The people, the kids, there, there are kids in my building that I don't dare ask them how their night was or their weekend unless I have 10 minutes to listen to I, them. Yeah. I love it. It's really interesting. That's what every single person says. Yep. Some variation of that. The kids, the staff, but it's, it always comes down to people. No one ever says the test scores. That's really fascinating. I mean, right? Like nobody ever says like the the data that we collect. That's not my favorite. It's just the, the people. That's really good. Um, how about uh, questions for one another time? Let's do it. Let's lob one up. I'll go first here. Sure. Uh, here's my question for you guys. What songs really get you like pumped up and ready to go? Like you hear it and you're just like, oh, I'm I'm ready. What are they? Okay. So if, if anyone out there um, ever like works out or ever, you know, lifts weights, does anything like that, the song One by Metallica is the best it's the best workout song of all time. Nice. When it comes on, if I'm driving, I want to just pull over and lift something. I'll screw my back up a little bit, but I'll still, <laughs> I, I, there's a part of me that's just like, that's just part of the, the DNA of that song. Yeah. And I adore that. Sure. I like that. I'm going to go Eye of the Tiger, a little old school, but when you're driving, that comes on, you cannot right. not turn the radio up. All right. It makes me think of like a, a high school gymnasium. Oh yeah, like getting ready for the game. Yeah, I just it, a locker like a locker playing. room kind yes. of people going yes. crazy. How about you? I would have said I had the tiger too. Really? I, the yeah. That's the, really honestly it, those songs in Rocky just kind of build and um yeah I had the tiger. I don't even know what the other one's called, but it's kind of like the Rocky theme song. Yeah, he's training and um yeah, I kinda, wonderful. I kind of go to those. So here's a question for for you guys. Um, what is a, a, a word or a phrase that you're almost a little self-conscious about with how you pronounce it? Because I, I've been noticing recently that there's sometimes people will say a word or a phrase and they'll just kind of like, they'll look at you like, did I, am I in the ballpark here with sure. that? And as an English teacher, as a former Spanish teacher, I'd get, I get this probably more than most people, but I'm interested in what you two gentlemen have to say. Yeah. So I, I referred to the expert on this when I asked my wife last night, because I feel like I'm fairly educated, well-read, and yeah. I feel like when I say things, they're partially correct. Um, and I did not know this about myself, but she says when I say words that have a WH at the beginning, that I am too heavy on the H, like the oh. word white. Cool she says, you do not pronounce the H. <laughs> and I, and I, on the way what here, I was- What are you talking about? Like I, I was, so I sat there and I, I tried saying some of them without the age and it, it felt foreign. Huh. That's really interesting. Yeah. I like that. How about you, Mr. Ingbrecht? Uh, so I, we were talking about this the other day. With... And, and just for the record, we almost never ask each other this question beforehand, but this is one that I felt like I needed to give these two guys a little bit of a heads up. Yeah. So it's not just dead air time. Right. And we're listening to Mr. Seacrest breathe. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so some of the, some of the words, like this is a word that in my family, it's like been passed down. It's a struggle. Ancient. Yeah. We, for some reason, I feel like my dad, my brother, myself, we have always said ancient. 
we like like anxious ancient yes, together yeah it's a little bit ancient and, and i don't think i realized it until as an too. adult it was like well I, what do you mean i'm saying that wrong yes yeah. oh i see why yeah. yeah um i for some reason i always struggle to know whether to say presentation or presentation agreed i never know that i never know data or data okay that's a tough one those two though for me if you I would probably say that I'm a data guy Mm -hmm. and a presentation guy. But if you walked in and you said, hey, we're going to look at the data today, I would probably just match you and follow you and just say data. I would probably say presentation. Hmm. You know, those are weird words that just like you almost almost mimic people a little bit with that one. So those are ones that don't really have a right or wrong, like maybe more than one socially acceptable way. But um, my father-in-law and I, and I I know you know my father-in-law, Mr. Wilcox. Mark Um, Wilcox, a longtime sub here. Excellent. um, He's he's just a really good dude. So so he and I, like, he he comes off as quiet and, and, you know, maybe a little shy. But once you get to know him, that kind of goes away. So my wife's grandmother, so this would be his mother-in-law, as an adult, when you mispronounce words, it, it can be a little comical. Sure. And Mr. Wilcox had a dictionary of all the words that his mother-in-law would mispronounce. Oh, wow. Oh, that's glorious. You know, like the <laughs> um, the word corn, when she pronounced it, had a G at the end of it. Corng. Corn. Wow. And aluminum foil. Corn, by the way, sounds like a, a somebody you would battle at the end of a film. Oh, yeah. Like, He's, we're going to go up He's against corn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aluminum foil was aluminum foil, oh. and and we got and she she knew yeah that we were teasing her because we would ask her like, hey, can you bring me what's that what's that stuff called over there in the drawer? You know, you, you cover stuff with it, and, <laughs> and she'd give us the look, but then she would still say it. Yeah. So well, what if she just fired back? Uh, you mean tin foil? Like if she just came <laughs> back with something like that? Right. Just to, do you have any more? Yeah, I have a list. Um, I was always a coupon guy. Yeah. I moved and I lived in Chicago for a while and they just torched me on that. And they Rough. said, it's not coupon, it's coupon. Oh, I didn't realize that. My, my bad. Wild. Yeah. Um, maybe it was it, the area that I grew up, again, not far from here. I, was in, I grew up in Bremen. But, you know, uh, something you write with, a pen. I think I called it a pin. More like the P-I-N. I think we hear that from, huh. from kids. Uh, less than pen, pin. Oh yeah, they. That's really interesting. They raked me over the coals in Chicago for that too, and then uh, the one that that my friend really razzed me about was penguin, because I think I would say penguin, oh. but and then he said, my, I had a friend that said, no, it's not penguin, it's penguin, like you separate the n and the g. Well, even pause that unnaturally long yeah. pen. No, penguin. Gwen. Penguin. Interesting. But I think actually both pronunciations are correct. Huh. Penguin or penguin. And and of course, we all know that, that for the English language, there really is no right or wrong, right? I, I think that, that as a as a person who studied languages their entire lives, a lot of people try to say that, that they don't have an accent, right? But everybody does. Right. When every single person sure. on planet Earth has an accent. Right. And, and I think like even the word penguin, penguin, <laughs> penguin, you write with an ink pen. Yeah, exactly. Is, 
it, we all, as long as we can communicate, we all know what right. we're saying. Right. But it is, a, it's called a linguistic marker for those of you that are interested in this. Sure. But yeah. Here's one. Okay. Let me quiz you on this one. This one just popped in my head. A really kind of a, a really furry orange monkey type thing. What's that? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It starts with an O. Orangutan. Orangutan. So there's no G at the end. It's just an N. Yeah. That's an, that's another one. It's it's kind of tricky. I knew a, I knew a guy one time that's that his, whenever he would say he'd, he'd say all four classes that we had. Right, we have freshmen, juniors, seniors, and Southmores. Yes, Southmores. Like that. the opposite of Northmores. I've heard it more. I feel like in my time here. Yeah, me too. Than I me have too. any other any other part of my life. That's really an interesting set of observations, guys. Good work. Mr. Seacrest, any for you? So I just want to weigh in on the data data. Um, coming from a Star Trek fan, it's data, and there's no other alternative because Star Trek Next Gen, character data, an android that knows everything, sure. it's data. Okay. So yeah. All right. that's my two cents. I feel like there might be alternate dimensions where it would be data, though, just just for the record. But maybe. anyway, yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. It's okay to be. Like France. Yeah, indeed. Especially southern France. <laughs> so here's our topic today. And this one, I woke up thinking about this one not too long ago. And I was really, this really fascinates me because I know that all four of us are sports fans here. Sure. Right? I know you and I have connected over the Bears, commiserated over the Bears yeah, for the last several years. Um, and, and you know, Mr. Seacrest here is a football coach. I um, coached football too. I actually coached him in the position that he now coaches, which is kind of wild. You know, I once touched a football. You have seen a football. Yep, I have. You know, you know that they exist. Yep. No, uh, but like we all played sports. We all kind of love it. Um, and here's, here's, this was my thought. So... What is the effect of of being a sports fan of a specific team? And I'm not talking like the passive fans, right? The people that are backing whoever's really good at the moment. But I'm talking like people who are, are hardcore fans and grow up that in that culture for that team. So, again, I want to be very clear. What is the effect of that person growing up a fan of that team? So, so for someone like, um, I don't even know the, the, the Los Angeles Clippers. Okay. Who for decades, my entire life, they were almost the butt of the joke right. for every sports like franchise that isn't any good. And they were the other team that played in the state. Yeah. And, and it's only relatively recently, over, let's just say the last half dozen years yeah. where they've become relevant consistently. If I'm an LA Clippers fan growing up for my entire life, what is what is being a fan of them? What does that do to my outlook on life? Especially in the shadow of the Lakers. Yeah. I mean or or being a fan of of the New York Yankees who who tend to at least maybe they don't win it every year but they're in the conversation right. every year and if you've got to say you know nothing about baseball, who's going to win the World Series? The Yankees. Sure. You're just going to say that. Right. What does that do to your psyche? Does that make you a little bit more entitled? Does it make you a, just like more passionate, better, right? These are all kind of thoughts that that I w was thinking when I woke up with my first thought of the day. So gents, so, you look like you're both chomping at the yeah, bed you start wanna... talking. So, so this is funny because I have a friend who's a big Patriots fan. Yeah. And I don't know how this relates, but the first thing I always say to him is, well, you're a bandwagon fan. You don't live in the Northeast. Sure. 
you've been and and his i mean he, he gets mad and he's like no i cheered for them when they stunk and, and and they were mediocre for decades, right? They, right. They'd, they'd go to the Super Bowl like in 85. They, they'd, they had a couple up years, but they were never a dominant force or, nor a cellar dweller. Yeah, and now they're obviously the last two decades. They are the team. And, and I think everyone brings their own experience. Like the, the first thing he'll tell you is there, there was my favorite player of all time was on the Patriots when I was growing up. And that made him a Patriots fan. And I look at me like, yeah, I'm a Bears fan. 1985 was the first year I paid attention to football. So, I mean, I was hooked and there, there was, was no. That was my, my year too. Yeah, there was no going back. Like that's just yeah. ingrained in my memory and that's where I'm at. I guess, so for us, you and I as Bears fans, the, the 85 was obviously the pinnacle of, I think you and I might argue, of all of football in the history of football. Correct. Um, but at least as Bears fans, no doubt that was the top of the mountain for our lifetimes. Um, slow decline afterwards and relatively in the shadows, maybe maybe an eight and eight year. Mm-hmm. Now that there's 17 games, a nine and eight year. This year was the first time we've ever drafted first. Um, what does that do to, to our psyche? What does that do to us as people? Having a team that's just eh. For so long. It's funny because my youngest son, who's in fourth grade, wears his favorite Bears t-shirt, says rebuilding since 1985. Yeah. And my perspective is this this is funny. Like, it's a joke. And his perspective is, oh, it's... It's just, reality. It's, it's reality. Yeah, so he, he doesn't even understand that it's a, a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Like, I also wonder for teams that are almost... And I really don't want to offend anyone in the audience, but if you're a Detroit Lions fan and you are year in, year out, one of the top five worst teams in the league. Brutal. Or the Cleveland Browns, top five, one of the worst. And and again, we're talking over broad strokes. There's obviously there's some years. There's a few little blips. But overwhelmingly, those are the two franchises I think of when I think of really not well-performing franchises what does that do do those people grow up to be like grittier do they like wow we've got i gotta scrap and fight for everything or are they the people that will give up fastest you know what i'm saying like the people that are always like the glass is not even half full like well that's just the way it is uh, this glass is gonna shatter yeah it's not even worth trying to get a drink from yeah i really wonder and and there really is no way to to quantify this because people there's Almost an that's why we're talking of, about it. That's almost an you infinite amount of, yeah, 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 yeah. We're all completely right. Um, <laughs> but when you look at a city like Cleveland, yeah, you know, the, it, some of it has to be dependent on what sport it is because the Cleveland Indians have been fairly successful in baseball. I mean, been to the World Series, and, and we have family that lives out there, and they say, you know, you can go to a Cleveland Indian game anytime you want to. Tickets are available. Right. Yeah. The Browns have been irrelevant for a few years. They sell out every single every Sunday. Single t- That's crazy. It, it, here's what's funny. We went one time to, to Jacobs Field. I, I had this this glorious idea to go to every single major league ballpark right uh we went there and it was kind of a, a kind of a rainy day not not pouring rain but just just drizzly enough to make it kind of uncomfortable out there there were maybe two thousand fans that showed up in at the jake at that that time it was kind of later on in the year but it was 
early football season, right? So it was like, I think maybe a preseason game. Mm-hmm. And it was sold out. Yeah. For for the Browns preseason game, right across the way was the in, were the Indians, and they weren't exactly tearing it up that year. No. I mean, why? Well, one of the reasons might be in the NFL, you're going to get eight or nine home games, right? Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball, you're going to get 81. 81 of them. That's so that true. could have a, an effect. There's, That's a good call. You know, Ten times the amount of, of games that you can just say, ah, I don't feel like going to today. So so you are a guy, Mr. Ingbrecht, who kind of likes the idea of Freakonomics, the idea of really looking at what's there, but looking at what also isn't there. Sure. What does your gut reaction say to, to, to these different, like, wh- what are what are these fans like, depending on, on how well they do? So uh, let, me, let me first speak to my own experience here and then kind of dive into what I might think. Um, growing up, so I grew up and really started following sports, probably baseball first in the late 80s when the, the Oakland A's had the Bash Brothers. Oh, my goodness. That was such, um, such a fun time Bo to Jackson collect baseball was cards. A, you know, freak and not even a real human. Um, he, he really I, did feel like that. Yeah. Like he was not. He was otherworldly. In a, he was um, from a different planet or yeah. something. Like you know, I've got, so I've got the Bo Jackson double trouble poster. I've got uh, Michael Jordan posters galore. Is that, that an are, upper deck card, by the way? The uh, Maybe. I oh, you're talking was. about the, the baseball yeah, 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 yeah. pads. Yeah. Uh, I think that one was. That's what a, I think of question. double trouble. But anyway, go ahead. Um, but a lot of the teams that I rooted for growing up especially in the 90s the chicago bulls they just won yeah uh my dad and my uncle grew up in southeast nebraska close to lincoln or or at least part of their growing up they were big nebraska cornhusker fans guess what they were winning crazy in the 90s like the 90s Uh, were they were yeah unstoppable i uh went to i went to bremen growing up bremen had four teams in the span of I don't even know within a decade that went to state the state championship just in football, they experienced some success in basketball too later in the 90s. And so, oh, and also my dad worked at Bethel uh, College then. Now it's Bethel University. Bethel basketball was like on top of the world for the NAIA. And one time. of those Bremen title runs, by the way, came at the hands of Tippecanoe Valley. I apologize. And Vikings. it was it was at. And I wasn't even here, but I've I've watched the game, and it was such a controversial ending. Did did the guy really catch it in the end zone? They ruled it a touchdown, and then Bremen went to state, and Valley went home. It's such a, but what a kind of a weird yeah. small world moment. So know? so I grew up in the middle of this, and it's like all the teams that I really cared about, and and that were relatively close. I mean, the Bulls, it, it's a proximity thing. Sure. Plus it's Jordan. Um, you know, for, for Bethel, it's it's a family thing. For the Nebraska Cornhuskers, again, it's a family thing. Yeah. Um, Bremen, it's my school. I'm experiencing all this winning and I'm thinking, why would somebody not want to be a sports fan? And Because every day is glorious. Oh, it's amazing. Right? There's always, your yeah. team's always in the championship. We are it, always it good at wasn't everything. It until older that I, you know, honestly, the 2000s, it was like, ooh, the bottom dropped out and none of my teams experienced winning. I mean, there's the Bulls rebuilding since 98. There you go. Kind of a moment yeah. too, right? Yeah. I mean, All this makes me wonder, you know, the, the fans who put the, you know, fan is short for fanatic sure. like the people who are just rabid consume all things like are we losing some of that because franchises are 
acquiring people and purchasing athletes instead of insight. building their own program. That is a really interesting. You know, the, the Bulls drafted and built and developed people and were dominant. And there are people to this day who are Bulls fans because of those teams. Right. You, you don't see that with even the even the teams who are having success right now. Yeah. Turnover, free agency players switch in allegiance and, and then it goes down to the college level is the nil stuff gonna bring that down to where yeah. the fans are as passionate players can move from college to college and they do and and it's it's taking a lot of it's taking a lot of fans out of the experience yeah a lot of people are, are still loving the idea that when you when you commit to getting us here to this this wherever wherever you're playing you're going to be here for the full time you know yeah. right so i guess to speak to your question like what effect it had on me i wonder if i had like an abundance of confidence during that mm, time yeah like i just felt like anything i do anything i rooted for they're going to do well um i was but, also an orioles fan i was a ripkin fan and they they were decent then they didn't achieve at the highest level he was but, such a good guy to yeah. kind of look up to sure but i i can't imagine i i knew guys in college that were big time new york yankees fans uh-huh. and they were also kind of difficult to be around they just they just seemed like they were always bragging they kind of had like this air about them again i don't want to paint that for all new york yankees fans but it certainly left an impression, and it, and it stands out in my mind. I wonder if it's different if you live in the Bronx or live in New York City versus northern Indiana, which would be the transplant folks sure. or the, the people that are yeah. kind of on the periphery of, of liking it. You know, like probably the most recognizable franchise in the NFL is probably the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I don't – I mean, it, it hurts my heart to say it as a Bears fan, but – I think you could almost make that same argument, right? Because sometimes those fans could, for some people, almost rub you the wrong way a little bit. Yeah. But but again, maybe it's because they're just always pretty good. Sure. I mean, the Yankees are always good. It's almost like that, well, hey, why don't you get better? Yeah. Red Sox, you know, or, or yeah. whatever it is. And we know that the Cubs yeah. won the World Series here in 2016. Sure. Which is actually farther removed than we realize. But like... It feels like 10 minutes ago yeah. right now even still for me um i just i i do feel like chicago cubs fans are fairly disloyal like oh. sammy sosa was a hero and they turned on him now he he was no saint he made his fair share of mistakes but they turned on him and they i mean they taunted him from the outfield and unreal it was it that kind of surprised me i I also almost wonder is is this kind of an idea something that that transcends sports? Were you gonna say something? Is this something that almost transcends sports? Because I, as a as a music fan, I'm a guy that if if somebody is kind of under the radar, it almost helps with my identity of mm. liking that band or or that singer or that group. If, if a team is kind of under the radar, right? Like, and maybe this speaks to. To my character, what I'm about to say, I um, grew up loving baseball and I lived in New Hampshire for a little while and I became a pretty enormous Red Sox fan, like a pretty big, you know, I love Noma, right? <laughs> Noma Gassiapada. He was my guy, right? He was my favorite. Then they traded him to the Cubs. I remember that day so clearly. And then I'm like, what do I 
do because I, I have the place in my heart for the Cubs. But then when the Sox won the series, mm-hmm. I almost started liking I started liking them less. Interesting. When the Cubs won the series, I started liking them less. I almost found this this identity in I've got the secret inside. I'm cool because I like the underdog. Yeah. Right. Like if, if a band that I like just pops and becomes enormous, I doubt I like them as well tomorrow. Interesting. Making the same music, doing the same things. Thoughts about that? I mean, you asked the question a little bit ago about how this may transcend sports. Yeah. And the the world we live in, like everything is at our fingertips 24 seven. And Truly. that, you know, it makes me more like if a team is not winning dominating you know day in day out is are our people going to turn on them more quickly because oh they fire coaches like after one season sure. now. well and we know more about like the daily habits and more details about athletes you know than we've ever known before like we, yeah. we know where they're eating at night you know for supper every night yeah that is what a fascinating idea but it's also a little bit creepy yeah but i understand very much you know as a kid if the cubs are on wgn i can't turn the channel or or get on the internet and watch something else nope it's the cubs nope not at all there's there's no alternative but now so i guess what's a takeaway i i know we're really all over (laughs) the place here what is it what is a takeaway like what's something we can kind of challenge our audience with here i wonder if people shouldn't be placing their identity with sports teams. I don't wonder that. I know they probably shouldn't be. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I suppose if, if your emotions are tied to how your sports teams are doing or your favorite, you know, artist or whatever, um, be careful not to put people or teams or whatever on a Agreed. pedestal. The, the video I saw, on, I think it was on Sports Center. I'm not a social media guy, you know, so I'm sure that every you guys have probably all seen this a hundred times. But after the Cowboys lost this year, a guy walked up to his really enormous TV and just punched it as hard as he could. <laughs> and and it, it was crazy, but it, they just kept filming it and he just kept punching it. So that speaks to your. Yeah. I mean, that, that's potentially too much in that guy's life. Way too much. Right. I, I don't have a punching the TV story, but as my kids get older and there are times where, you know, the Bears had a terrible year. And when we're watching a game and I hear my boys yelling at the TV or saying things that I've said before. And I, I think about it. And I'm like, they're being ridiculous right now. Sure. <laughs> and it kind of it kind of checks you a little bit like. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I know this is definitely not the first time we've brought it up about finding your identity in the correct spot. Sure. So I, I would, I'd, I'd echo that. I, I almost wonder where, where are you finding your identity? Is, is it, is it, are you finding a healthy amount in what you're putting into your mind via sports or music or, or even the Star Trek fanatics of our world too? So anything else to add, gentlemen? We're good. So uh, just a quick reminder, we are on Podbean, and they have been our number one for, for the whole time. Most we, loyal. I mean, truly, they, they gave us this start here. But we're also on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Samsung. We are, we're pretty much everywhere you, you would listen to any of your podcasts. So until next time, this is uh, Chris Walker, Aaron Ingbrecht, and Scott Sterk with from valley studio one with the one and only chris secret saying have a great week take care